You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It is a solo Spain power hour, Spain and Fitz, right here on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Just one hour of action before you take you in to Heat Celtics game four. Miami up two to one in that series. Can the Celtics even things up? It's Sarah Spain with you. Fitz is off tonight. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Want to touch quickly on last night's game before we get into tonight's Heat Celtics matchup because the Warriors have pushed the Mavs to the brink now up 3-0 and this series to me is all about depth and of course the criticism of the Mavs being a one-man show has been there for a while now and while you've got some players that have showed up to support Luka in some of the games there just isn't the balance and when you're going up against a team like the Warriors, it becomes more and more clear, especially in a game when the Mavs get up, you've got Luka doing the shoulder shake, the shimmy, the confidence appears to be there, and you think, all right, well, Draymond's in foul trouble, Steph needs a rest, this one's this one could be over, and instead, it's Looney, it's Wiggins, it's Poole, it's the supporting cast of that Warriors team, the depth of that Warriors team. So many guys can beat you and so many guys can defense you that that's what the Mavs are looking at and saying, we just don't have enough. And Clay Thompson, after that game, talked about how important it's been for Wiggins, whose career narrative may have been all but written and closed the book on, were he not to have ended up in just the right spot with Golden State? Here's Clay Thompson on Wiggins. I've seen him average. I've seen him average a ton of points before. I just think he has more talent and a better structure around him than he did previously. So, sky's the limit for him. And I think we're going to able to unlock his potential. And he's one of the best two-way wings in the NBA. And uh, I can tell you, everybody in the Warriors organization is grateful he's here. Without him, we would not be where we're at. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins, absolutely. A, a massive dip difference maker, not just the 27 points, 11 rebounds, but leading the team in three-point percentage. Yes, the team with the Splash Brothers, Andrew Wiggins, leading the team at three-point percentage and defensively absolutely can't be understated what he's doing. On the other side of things, this is a Mavs team that lives and dies with the three right now because of the focus on Luka, because of the spacing that is required to give him room to work. If they're not hitting their shots, they don't have a shot. And Jason Kidd talked after the game about his team just not draining enough Jays. Um, I think there's a combination. Um, we just didn't shoot the ball well. You know, Reggie's 0 for 10. Dorian's 2 for 7 or, or is it 3 for 7. Um, you know, when you look at the three guys who scored, Spencer, LD, and, and JB, um, that's just not enough against the Warriors. You know, you need, you need a lot more guys to participate offensively, but... We're getting good looks, and they're just not dropping. Again, I've said this, jump shooting teams, we're going to live and die by the three. But we're also dying by not getting the rebound um, and giving them second opportunities. And just the energy of that Warriors team when they get going, especially when Steph's cooking, it's like the guys look around, they see Steph smirking, shrugging, smiling, laughing, the energy in the building, and they just know it's in the bag. Uh, that That's uh, – and – I won't be shocked if the Mavs win one to make it a gentleman's sweep, but I also will not be surprised at all if the Warriors put them away and give themselves a nice bit of rest. But Monty Jones on the right time today said he sees whoever wins in the East as the favorite, doesn't see how people think the Warriors are a championship team. Couldn't disagree more. 
The Warriors are my favorite in the finals, regardless who comes out of the East. And not just because they are beating the hell out of each other in the East finals right now. It's Solo Spain, Sarah Spain, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. That Heat Celtics series is a bruiser. Tyler Hero out tonight. Jimmy Butler going to go, but at what percentage will he be? Smart is hurting. Tatum's hurting. Williams hurting. This has been an absolute battle. And I have a couple questions heading into tonight's game that will be the deciding factors in whether the Celtics can even it up or the Heat can take that all-important 3-1 lead. Number one is, will the Celtics continue that the pattern that they've shown after a loss, not just in the postseason, but the last four months. Celtics have lost 11 games in the last four months. Taking out the one game in Toronto where they punted, they basically, none of their starters played. It was, you know, end of the regular season. Taking out that one game, they are 10-0 and after their last 11 losses with a plus 18.6 point differential. After a loss, they are 10-0 and with a plus 18.6 point differential. In the playoffs alone, 4-0 winning those games by an average of 17-plus points. That's the fifth-best differential after a loss in NBA postseason history. All four teams with a better one went on to win the title. So is this going to be a continuation of that pattern for the Celtics, a bounce back after a loss, and a beatdown in that bounce back? Next, turnovers. Will they be able to dictate style of play and speed? Because if you're trying to go up against the Celtics, one through five, half court, they are going to smother you. It is so hard to create offense, particularly for this Heat team. And without Tyler Hero and with Jimmy Hobbled, as long as the Celtics take care of the ball and don't let Miami score a bunch of transition buckets, they should win this game. Will they be able to is the question. Also, who shows up? Will Bam show up like he did early in the series where people were calling for him to assert himself? Or will it be Bam from the other night? 31 points, 10 boards, 6 assists, 4 steals. He had a combined 16 points in games 1 and 2 and then went off in game 3. Who shows up? Here's Spolstra on the Bam he saw the other night. Yeah, he did his version of what Jimmy does in terms of do what's necessary for the game. You know, and he was extremely assertive. Uh, It happened in a lot of moments that were fully in the context of how we want to play. Uh, he was just way more assertive on the catch and, and those moments in between. Uh, and it wasn't just the scoring. That's what everybody else, everybody's going to uh, recognize. But he did so many things in terms of getting us organized, facilitating, playing point guard for us uh, at times, uh, running offense you know, in the post through him, uh, and then defending like he always does, you know, one through five against uh, a team that presents, you know, a lot of challenges. Yeah. Is that the BAM that shows up tonight? Because that's necessary for a Heat team that will be shorthanded. And on the other side, which Tatum shows up? A up-and-coming star that people are more than willing to praise when he does well, but he hasn't yet earned himself the right to be really criticized when he doesn't show up. But it's not... It's not going to be for much longer that he can have performances like the other night without national media. Stephen A. with the, he should be ashamed of himself. That's coming for Tatum. And he's uh, serving it up to himself because this is what he said about his performance the other night. Obviously, they, 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 they played well from the beginning. Uh, but, 
you know, six turnovers and, you know, no field goals in the second half, that is, you know, uh, unacceptable. You know, honestly, I, I, I got to play better. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I left the, left the guys hanging tonight. Uh, you know, that's on me. And, uh, you know, I acknowledge that. Uh, that was a tough one. So who shows up? The Bam from the other night, the Tatum from the other night. Who's going to step into an all-important role with other pieces that are uh, injured and missing? How healthy will those guys that are trying to make a go of it, Smart with the ankle, Butler with the knee, how healthy would they be? What percentage will they be? How much are the coaches going to have to play some games with switching guys in and giving those guys a break and a rest? Strategy is going to be huge in this one. And then finally, those those little moments that the coaches have to figure out a response to. I'm looking specifically at Ime Odoka and the heat runs. Celtics have dominated almost every quarter of play in this series, and they are down because of the two quarters that the Heat have put it on them. Physical play, aggressive play, and they haven't had an answer. Will Ime Odoka know how to get his guys to respond and stop the bleeding faster? Will the players step up in those moments and stop the run before it becomes the game? particularly early, because we saw that first quarter from the heat the other night. Spain and Fitz is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. It's Spain and Fitz, solo Spain, power hour, taking you into the 8.30 Eastern start for Celtics and Heat on ABC. Coming up, winner of the PGA Championship called out Jimbo Fisher. Yes, that's right, a golfer called out Jimbo Fisher. I'll explain it next. It's Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's just a power hour tonight. Solo Spain, Spain and Fitz as we get you ready for Celtics and Heat. But there is so much more that happened in the sports world over the weekend that we got to get to. It's ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And when there are too many stories and there's not enough time, there's only one thing to do. Quickies. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. And we start with the PGA Championship. Justin Thomas with an incredible comeback from seven strokes down over Will Zalatoris in the playoff. But Mito Pereira, the rookie, was so close. It was painful to watch that last hole when he choked. But he did say we'll be back, and I hope he believes that and I hope it happens. But the most important part about this that you haven't heard probably yet is Justin Thomas giving you some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. He afterwards is asked about celebrating. He's a big, big uh, uh, Bama fan and was asked if he will follow Nick Saban's 24-hour celebration rule. And he told SiriusXM, yeah, I got a 24-hour rule. I'm not sure what Jimbo Fisher's rule is, but I guess he's got to win something first before he figures out his rules. Not where you expected to see some sides taken and some shots fired in the Jimbo versus Saban beef, but it is expanding. Not only do we have the SEC putting a muzzle on other coaches, keeping Lane Kiffin from going on Rich Eisen's show, or was it Dan Patrick? Maybe Dan Patrick, but Lane Kiffin was scheduled to talk, and he's got some things to say about that conversation, but SEC, muzzling coaches, publicly reprimanding Jimbo and Saban, but Justin Thomas is free to say what he wants. He's not under the purview of the SEC and he's taking shots at Jimbo, feeling himself after that win, and well-deserved. Again, seven shots down 
in the final round at Southern Hills, and he gets the win. Very cool. All right, next story. Quickies. Big WNBA weekend. Some of the best teams playing throughout the weekend. That included the Aces taking out the Mercury 100-80. to They're 6-1 and one now, and the Aces are atop the power rankings in the WNBA after this weekend. We saw Washington... The Mystics beat Atlanta 78-73 Friday night to get to 5-1, and one, and then the next night fell to my Chicago Sky, 82-73. Sky are going to start kicking here. A little bit of a slow start, but Kalia Copper's back, the MVP, KFC, and not only that, Candace Parker in her prime. Don't even look at the age that she is. Just look at what she's doing. How about this from Candace Parker? Parker becomes just the third player in WNBA history with multiple triple-doubles. That's right. Candace Parker showing the youngsters how it's done at 36. A lot of people said it's too tough to repeat, and I know it will be for the Sky, but they have got three finals MVP on that roster, and Candace is hungry to bring it back again. Ryan Rucco on that call there. All right, next story. Quickies. Some news today from Woj. And I'm surprised to hear this because uh, there'd been some conversation about this on Windhorse's uh, uh, Hoop Collective podcast. And they were talking about the rumors that Nuggets president of basketball ops, Tim Connolly, was being uh, wooed by the Timberwolves and the new ownership. Uh, and they didn't think there was a chance he would leave. He has long professed his uh, affinity for, for the Nuggets. He is super close with Jokic. And they never thought he would leave Denver after what he's built, even if he got a great offer. Well, I guess the offer was so good that he's going to go to the Timberwolves and see what he could do with that with that city and that franchise. Tim Connolly, five years, $40 million that includes ownership equity. And today on NBA Today, Richard Jefferson talked about, I guess, it was a deal too good to say no to. Tim is one of the best in the business. Yep. He's one of those guys that you... You know, he'll sit down, he'll shoot you straight, he'll talk with you, he'll work with you. Tim has really earned this opportunity. And you, you feel for a, a Denver Nuggets organization because that type of deal, like Woj said, is a deal that maybe only two or three ever yeah. get. And so Tim has to go do what's best for his family. He has to go take this opportunity. But, you know, ultimately what he built in, in Denver, it kind of mirrors what's going on in Minnesota. They have a bunch of young talent yeah. that if you put the right pieces around, and Minnesota's like, hey, this guy's already done this job. Let's go see if he can do it here. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain solo tonight. Quickies. Quickies. Give me the straight talk. There you go. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Some straight talk about the new Hard Knocks announcement. We heard, of course, the Lions will be in the regular preseason edition of Hard Knocks, premiering in August. We're mostly excited uh, for good old coach biting the knees, Dan Campbell. But now we're hearing that the Hard Knocks in-season that we saw first last year with the Colts will be the Cardinals. Straight talk for me is I want to see Cardinals in the beginning of the season. I want to see the awkward Kyler Murray in camp with a team that he's not sure how he feels about contract that he's looking for. But I guess there is a chance that the Cardinals mid-season will be off to a slow start, disappointing. There might be some drama there, too. Uh, this would be the first appearance for the Cardinals on Hard Knocks. Again, I prefer the preseason. 
the cuts, the shaping of the roster, the coaching, etc. But I, I think they could be an interesting midseason choice as well if things are not going well for them, or hell, for that matter, if they're off to another hot start and we're all waiting for the inevitable swoon. Cardinals would be an interesting one, especially if there's still anything hovering over in terms of respect for Kyler, contracts, etc. All right, next story. Quickies. You heard it in the update, but quickly, the MLB has suspended Josh Donaldson for one game after the comments towards Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson, you know, got the final word here. Bat drop, homer. They, the, the White Sox get the doubleheader sweep over the Yankees. Uh, a lot of folks didn't think Donaldson should be punished. I think one game is fair. He's already on the COVID list. I'm not sure if he gets to be uh, combine the two and have that shared game be missed to both COVID and suspension. My guess is that it'll have to be one that he would be able to play in. Um, but I think the MLB needed to make a statement whether or not you want to try to get into the semantics of racially motivated, racist, just inappropriate. I think you get out ahead of those things and you make it very clear how you feel about them. You don't have inside jokes with guys you're beefing with, and you're certainly not calling them Jackie. And let me tell you, even worse than what he did was the Yankees fans deciding that after Tim Anderson said he felt that it was inappropriate and racist, for them to say, all right, well, then we're going to keep saying it. And we're going we're gonna to chant it at you while you're playing. Gross. Yankees fans. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, do a little quickies here. Spain and Fitz is presented by Progressive Insurance. Bundle and protect today under one roof. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Finally, are you guys hearing the reviews for the new Top Gun? I was extremely suspect. Let's get, yeah, look, give me that music. Give me that music. It's going to make me feel good just to hear it. Yes. Oh, Top Gun Maverick. I believe it comes out tomorrow. No, no. The 27th, maybe. Either way, it's soon. And all of the reviews are insanely good. I have not seen a single negative review. I have only seen people say it's better than the original. What? The classic better? So I'm asking you, at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, is there a sequel or a part two or a remake? This is more of a sequel than a remake, but is there some sort of years later follow-up that you expected nothing from and ended up being even better than you imagined? Because I've seen nothing but great reviews. I am pumped for that. Jimmy Patero, president of ESPN. His wife is in that movie. Coming up, can you stop the Warriors? Can the Mavs get back in it? We'll talk about it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Some breaking news. Marcus Smart not available tonight. This is uh, this is going to be tough for a Celtics team that needs this one bad. I'd never call a game must win unless it's literally win or go home, but it's musty, as Tony Real would say. This is a musty game for the Celtics, and Marcus Smart is such a huge presence for that team. The way he went down with that ankle, I was shocked to see him come back. They must have drugged the hell out of him and done a lot of treatment on that ankle for him to come back. Um, but I'm guessing it's pretty serious and probably some swelling and, and, and stuff since that game to make him unavailable tonight. Derek White going to get the start for him for game four tonight. That game's 8.30 Eastern on ABC uh, following this power hour of Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain with you, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We've got uh, Heat and and and, uh, and Celtics to get to later, but reflecting on last night's game, 
Um, this is a Warriors team that Ramona Shelburne wrote about never really being replaced as a dynasty in the NBA. They just took a little break. We'll talk to someone who knows all about that. NBC Sports Bay Area courtside reporter Kareth Burke joining me now. Kareth, thanks for the time. You're welcome. Hi, Sarah. Uh, this is fun when the Warriors are good. I say it every time. The NBA is more fun with Steph playing. And honestly, for me, way more fun when the Warriors are good. I- I'm sure there's some teams in the West that would tell you they'd, they'd prefer uh, when they were taking a backseat. But, man, when they get that energy going, they're up 3-0 now, Kareth. Teams are 146-0 mm-hmm. when they're up 3-0. Uh, what are the chances uh, the Mavs find their way back into this series? Well, uh, <laughs> by the way, these are the Warriors who ruined the game, right? Wasn't that the conversation just mm-hmm. not four or five years ago and now yes. all the excitement is back? Yeah. Yes, um, the Mavericks are at home for game four. And I think that's the edge that they have to use. But really, Sarah, that was the edge that they wanted to rely on for game three. Mm. I like how you put that. Not must win, but Mm. musty. And if the the Mavericks didn't win that game three, as I try to view this as objectively as possible, I don't know what other adjustments they could make, what Mm. knobs they could turn that they wouldn't have done already. Because they're they're getting great games from Luka, but the supporting cast is having trouble against the Warriors' defense. I mean, the way I could see it happen, at least for a gentleman's sweep, is that the Mavs hit their shots and the Warriors go cold like we saw them do against the Grizzlies, right, in that disgusting blowout mm-hmm. game where Draymond and Steph were forced to whoop that trick uh, with towels around their necks because they weren't <laughs> playing because the game was out of hand. Um, but even then, that's going to happen maybe for one game if the focus is gone because they're up and then they'll get right back to it and put him away. Let's talk about Andrew Wiggins. What an incredibly big role he's had to play. He is plus 66 in this series. That is the best on Golden State. Meanwhile, by the way, Luka Doncic minus 61, which is kind of unfair for the guy who's doing his best to keep this team in it. He's doing everything. Yeah, plus 66 for Andrew Wiggins. Is this just a matter of fit with this team? Yes, it's got to be. And Andrew Wiggins, you know, the former number one pick, the guy some people would have said was a bust when you think about his time in Minnesota, which I don't think is fair, by the way. I just think his role is different here with Golden State. He doesn't have to be the guy. Lawyers have the guy. They have a couple of them. It's, it's Steph, it's Clay. You can even throw Draymond into that. So Wiggins slots into a role. He can shoot threes. He can attack the rim. And he defends very well. He's the guy defending Luka Doncic, who was a minus 19 last night. Mm. And then, Sarah, I do believe you saw the dunk last night. Yes. Yes, I did. I believe we all did several times. (laughs) Yes. The dunk. The dunk. But it was part of a 27-point night for Wiggins. Okay, that's a new playoff career high. He only had one three in the game. So he's getting this by attacking. And the advice he's getting from his teammates is you don't always have to settle for layups either. How about some dunks? He had three in the fourth quarter. And this kind of stuff just starts to feel demoralizing for your opponent. Listen, I'll tell you, if I'm facing the Warriors and it's not Steph or Clay leading the team in three-point percentage, I'm pretty happy. I'm like, man, those guys must, must be just absolutely off. And instead, it's just Wiggins being great in yet another <laughs> It's, it's been really fun. Kareth Burke is with me here on Spain and Fitz, solo Spain tonight. She's NBC Sports Bay Area courtside reporter, covers the Warriors. 
Let's talk about the Luka thing. You know, obviously, he is an incredible superstar player, but this is reminding me of early Jordan era where if there's not either buy-in from him that the rest of the team has to perform or there just isn't the talent around him, early LeBron mm-hmm. also people make comparisons to, the Mavs are 2-6 and six when Luka scores 40-plus points in the playoffs. Four straight losses tying uh, Rick Barry for the longest playoff losing streak in 40-point games in playoff history. What is the answer for that? You can't exactly say, all right, everybody, let's let Luca have a, a slower night and see if you guys can take care of I mean, it's just, even if you get decent nights from Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson, it's not enough against this Warriors team. Yeah, and I think the Mavericks thought they found the solution when they made some changes, said goodbye to Kristaps Porzingis. Okay, you're not the guy to pair with Luca. Uh, you know, looking at this playoff series, Luca has been the highest scorer for his team. Point totals of 20. 42 and then 40. He's also doing what he can to get to the line. He's doing him. Okay. And he is one of the best players in the NBA around him. You've got Jalen Brunson. Okay. And then maybe in this series, one other player has been going off in the Mm -hmm. first game. It was Reggie Bullock. Now we're seeing Spencer Dinwiddie turn up. That's the three people right now who are the bulk of their offense. You're right. That's not enough. I don't know what the solution is there. And I wonder how much, Luca might be grumbling or maneuvering in this offseason to get more help. It's got to be the solution because this does feel like a Dallas Mavericks team on the upswing, the way that they have been playing since the new year, you know, the way that they came into the playoffs, the, the way that they had a game seven against the Phoenix Suns. There's a lot to be excited about in Dallas, but maybe mm-hmm. they just need one more piece. Yeah. I mean, I think the problem is, is that you're not going to be satisfied if the ceiling is, Western Conference Finals when you have a transcendent player like Luka. And I've talked to Tim Kalashaw mm-hmm. about this. He says down in Dallas, they are certainly hearing it and have been for a number of years that they haven't utilized having this kind of talent. Um, but nationally, I don't think, be, I think because of the market, they don't get nearly as much heat as some other places do when they have a superstar yeah. like that and they can't make something happen. Uh, Luka so much fun to watch. This series between Steph and Luca, I don't know if there are two guys in the NBA that laugh more after making shots than those two guys. Uh, <laughs> or, or shimmy. Least, That's right. Yeah, or shimmy. Or make us laugh. Honestly, uh, Steph is the guy that makes me laugh in basketball more than anyone since MJ because of the ridiculousness of what he does. Um, but, yeah, this one is uh, looking like it's over and a nice, healthy rest for the Warriors as they watch the teams in the East beat each other up. Kareth, I hope you're enjoying this. Thanks so much for giving us some time. Yeah, my pleasure. Always for you, Sarah. Kareth Burke, NBC Sports Bay Area courtside reporter. Follow her on Twitter. She's got all the good stuff on this Warriors team. Brought to you by My Computer Career, training for a better life. Coming up, we're under an hour away from the start of Game 4 between the Celtics and Heat. Nick Friedel going to join us. Hopefully we'll make him laugh. And we'll talk about this game next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, solo Spain tonight on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. A power hour taking you into Heat Celtics uh, Game 4 on ABC, 830 Eastern. NBA playoffs are right here on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight, Game 4, the Eastern Conference Finals. Celtics hosting the Heat, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 Eastern on most ESPN Radio stations. So, yeah, if you don't want to watch on ABC, listen right here on ESPN Radio. Just a bit ago. Uh, before he had to get to work in from the game live, Nick Friedel, ESPN NBA reporter, joined me. And I started out by asking him about how this series has turned into basically a football game 
injuries left and right. I asked him the biggest injury that could affect the game tonight. Jimmy's going to play, Sarah, but that is something I would watch very closely because they are concerned about that knee. He has been dealing with that injury throughout the postseason, and I just don't think they are going to ride him that much if you come out early and see that he's not playing at that same high level we've come to expect. So that's the one from Miami's standpoint that is going to be something that lingers throughout the rest of this series because Kyle Lowry's feeling better. P.J. Tucker's dealing with some knee soreness. And he, he's going to be out there. He's going to give it everything that, that he's got. As far as Tyler Hero, he's out, but you're not sure when he's going to be able to come back. And that is really tough for a team that needs his shooting presence mm. from the outside. And then Boston's got a slew of different guys who – uh, could be in or out of the lineup, Robert Williams, Marcus Smart. So this is exactly what everybody thought this series was going to be. It is a fight every night, and now it's just a matter of who can stay healthy and cross the finish line. Obviously, Jimmy Butler is the engine that runs the heat, but in those moments where he's either on the bench or getting double, triple teamed, Tyler Hero has been the guy, particularly game one. He had those bursts that allowed them to take – leads and stay in it um is victor oladipo going to be the guy that they need when it's not jimmy he's going to try and sarah it's a really good point on hero and especially not just in game one but throughout the regular season there's a reason the guy won the sixth man of the year award mm -hmm. he was really really good for this team in the playoffs it hasn't been as consistent as they would like but even when he's not making shots just his presence on the floor creates the space that they need so that is a big loss. What it means, Oladipo is going to get some more time. And defensively, he was really good at the end of game three. The other guy who has got to hit some shots early and create the space for everybody else is Max Struess. And that right. is not a name that a lot of NBA fans knew, frankly, prior to Saturday night. But he hit a massive shot, and he has the confidence to step up when they need him. So there are a lot of different pieces in play here. But – if the Heat get a strong contribution from Oladipo and Struess, they really feel like they can go back to Miami up 3-1. Nick Friedel is with us here on Spain and Fitz ahead of this game. Uh, let's talk about Bam. Um, this is a guy who was rightfully getting harangued for not doing enough in the first couple games, and then he explodes. Do we expect to see the same Bam, and what can the Celtics do to neutralize him? We should, SS, because he's that talented. He is an unbelievably good player, but it's almost like he, he needs somebody to start that fire underneath him sometimes. And Bam heard all that criticism that you mentioned heading into game three. And it really, it, it, it's the embodiment of the MJ meme from the last dance. He right. took it personally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he really did. And he came out and showed exactly what he can do. So if Robert Williams is playing, that is going to be a, huge challenge for Bam because it really seemed to get in his head between Robert Williams and Grant Williams. Just mm -hmm. wasn't the same player in those first two games. We saw what he can do offensively in game three. If he keeps that up, again, Miami likes their chances. But the reality is Boston just had an off night in a lot of different ways on Saturday. They tried to come back, but they had dug too big of a hole. Bam has to be the guy who's assertive early. And if he does that, he'll find the momentum that he needs later in the game.
Nick, the Celtics, to me, when they can keep the opposition trying to score in the half court, are almost unstoppable. Unfortunately, turnovers, sloppy play has allowed the Heat to dictate in those quarters that they've won the tempo and get enough transition points to put up some leads that are insurmountable. Is it just a matter of the Celtics playing cleaner and forcing more of a half-court, slow and steady pace uh, to get back in, in the lead in this series? Absolutely. And as we sit here tonight, Sarah, I tell you that I still believe the Celtics are going to end up winning this series. Hmm. I think top to bottom, they're just a little bit better. And Jason Tatum, when he is not turning the ball over and he has a solid game on both ends, to me, is still the best player in this series. But we saw it throughout game three. They were turning the ball over all over the place. And when you don't get that kind of consistency and then you combine it with the injuries that they're dealing with, that is a, a recipe for a team that may just fall a little bit short. So I think Boston knows that they have controlled a vast majority of the time in this series, but it really doesn't matter because they're down 2-1 right now. They have got to play cleaner, and that is a good word to go with because if you take care of the ball and you play better defense, they should be able to shut down or at least slow a very hobbled Miami team. Nick Friedel with me here, Sarah Spain on Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. In those moments, those two quarters where the Heat take off running and the Celtics are so slow to stop the run and get back in it, how much of that is Ime Odoka not knowing how to get his team to react? I think mean, he's trying, Sarah, but we've seen this at times from the Celtics all year. The talent is there, even when they went on that hot streak after the first of the new year. There are just moments in time with this group where it doesn't look like they're connected. It doesn't look like they are playing as together as they could be. I know that Ime is trying to make a bunch of different adjustments, and I am sure that he lit into them watching back that mm -hmm. tape from Saturday night. But Miami is a team that throughout the year didn't like to push the pace. I think they understand that in this series against this team, they're at their best when they have to move the ball up the floor as fast as they can to make sure that defense doesn't get set. And you mentioned it at the beginning of our conversation in regards to the Celtics, but it's the same idea as far as defensive adjustments go. They are shooting themselves in the foot. If they would just stop the unforced airs, they are going to be in much better shape. And as far as tonight goes, they should be able to go back to Miami tied up at two. Grant Williams is a mystery to me. If you look at his game log, he had, of course, that spectacular game seven, 27 points, um, you know, get got all chesty when he was mic'd up the next game, giving everybody advice. And then there's nights where you look, and he's got six points, seven points, and he puts up 19. What's the deal with Grant Williams? What do you see them do to either neutralize him or allow him to be effective? I see a really talented player, Sarah, who's still trying to figure it out. And defensively, as is the case with most young players, if he's playing well on the defensive end, usually that opens up things right. offensively for him. But this is where the confidence part comes in because – he can be such a force, but if he's not in his rhythm early, sometimes it's harder to find it later in the game. I think he is a really, really good player. I think he is crucial to the end of this series, and definitely the Celtics know that if he's playing at his best, 
they are going to find a way to win. So if you're looking for different tells and who may or may not be on the floor, all the focus is always going to start with Jason Tatum, as it should, because he's that good and he's on the cusp of superstardom. But when you look at Grant Williams, when he plays well, history tells us that that's when the Celtics are at their best. Awesome stuff, Nikki. Enjoy the game, and we'll hope to talk to you a little later in the series, hoping this one goes seven. All right, you got it. I'll talk to you soon. Nick Friedel, ESPN NBA reporter, talked to us. Uh, we now know that Marcus Smart is out tonight. That news came out after I talked to Nick. Uh, so we're taking you into that game. Going to be a good one. Celtics Heat, which pieces are healthy enough to get it done for their teams? It's Spain and Fitz, solo Spain tonight. Earlier in the show, I was talking about the Top Gun movie getting rave reviews, Top Gun Maverick. And I asked you if there is a sequel to a movie or a part two to a movie or television show that came out years later and you weren't sure, you were a little suspect about whether they could pull it off, which I was about this Top Gun until I started seeing the reviews. There's that music. Ooh. So good. And is there one that you remember that really surpassed your expectations? You guys came up with a good list. Creed, for sure. A lot of people did not expect that. Creed uh, coming out of the Rocky franchise. Tron Legacy. Blade Runner 2049. Mad Max Fury Road. Those all kind of make sense, right? The the sort of um, improvements on special effects and all that helped there. But then uh, 21 Jump Street, which, by the way, the guys behind the glass here tonight, neither of them were born when that show was on and then off the air as a television show. They did not know it was a television show. I will but say, as, I did know it was a television show. I've just never seen it. It was a good television show. It was a really good television show. And then it was a good movie, too. Like, a completely different vibe. It was Johnny Depp in the television show. Richard really? Rico. Holly Robinson, Pete. Yeah, it was a really good TV show. And then the movie was really good, too. Um, Cobra Kai, another one that you guys mentioned. Absolutely. I haven't seen it, but only heard good things about that. The other thing that someone mentioned that I had no idea was coming out. This just got announced. Um, Spinal Tap 2, a sequel to the mockumentary from 1984, Rob Reiner actually made his directorial debut on This Is Spinal Tap, and that's coming back. Pumped for that. All right, pumped for the game, too. Coming up, NBA Countdown with Kevin Winter, taking you into game four of Celtic Seed. Thanks for listening to Spain and Fitz. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.